Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. So at this point, it should be pretty clear that unprofessionalism is and has been a topic on this podcast on a regular basis. And in, in searching for other education-related podcasts, most of them, as you might imagine, lean hard left. And they are filled with individuals who are hell-bent on using the education vernacular of the left and the Marxist left. So they consistently use these words. They, they dive their hands deep into these fishbowls. They pull them out, and they'll use a single word like provoke or resist and all these other ridiculous words that have no meanings whatsoever. And they'll use them as their own sentence. So one word becomes an entire sentence, and in some cases, an entire paragraph. They'll just use one word and then look around at everybody else in the room, and they'll all go, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, Uh uh-huh, totally. And they'll all just blindly agree with the person who's saying the particular buzzword of the day. Well, I found two education-related podcasts, one of which I've made fun of in the past and highlighted as being completely unprofessional, but I want to play a clip from it. And then I want to uh, describe it a little bit further, because it's very, very alarming. And both of the women who are on this podcast, which is titled, I might add, Teachers Who Drink and Why, I highly recommend giving it a listen. Um, Again, if you start to taste pennies while you're listening to it, then you're having a stroke, and you need to call your doctor or dial 911. Um, these two women are the epitome of unprofessionalism. They curse throughout, one of them more so than the other. Uh, They're remarkably loud and abrasive. They say nothing. They lean hard left, as you might expect. And uh, if you've ever heard squirrels in the woods before, on a fall day when the the wind isn't blowing and you can hear them clearly uh, and they're chasing one another and they're making that high-pitched squeaky noise, that's essentially the entire podcast. That's basically how the entire thing sounds. So I'm going to play a clip from that one first and then I'm going to play a clip from another podcast which is called School Psyched. P-S-Y-C-H-E-D, School Psyched Podcast with Rachel, Rebecca, and Eric. And these are school psychologists. And on this particular episode, they have on a guest by the name of Dr. Brian McClure, Byron McClure, my apologies, uh, to discuss social-emotional learning and justice. See what I mean? Justice. One word apparently means three sentences. So, again, you'll hear the ping-pong battle of the buzzwords with him as well, as he just says them and doesn't seem to give any weight to any of them. And then I'll come around on the backside and uh, break it down a little bit more, because it's really awful. And again, the clips I'm going to play of their podcast are very short. We're talking about maybe a minute each. So give this a listen. Here's the first one, by the way, though. It's the fr- <laughs> this first one is Teachers Who Drank. I, I don't, I don't love that we live in a world where like 
that all the time people can nitpick, but I do love nitpickers on a day where something rolls out like an apology, a, a forced apology letter comes out and people are like, hold on, let me fix this. And you know, they take the marker to it and they get rid of like every line except for the <laughs> where it says, uh, you know, I, I retract my statement. And that's all he was basically trying to do. Is there anything that just says I fucked up? I'm a horrible person. I think too, what my, so like I was having a discussion with my cousin and stuff. I'm like, what, what I said was like, he's letting his white privilege flag fly yeah. with, and just assuming like I'm an old white man. Cause he is, he's an old, older white man. And I have no consequences. I can say and do whatever I want. And that is because this is the privilege that has been given to me. And I think too, it just bothers me so much. People are like, oh no, white privilege doesn't exist. I didn't grow up in that. I will say too, that that is absolutely false. And people saying that and thinking that, please go out, read a book. You know, well, like, so, so. Okay. So like super serial, like go read a book. Oh my God. Th this is the whole podcast. The whole podcast is that sound over and over and over again. You're listening to two women talk about the importance of Black Lives Matter. And then in another episode, they go on and on and on about how they needed their fellow teachers to all wear political statements on their t-shirts, and she encouraged them all to to wear them, quote-unquote, in solidarity with one another or somebody who they think was oppressed or whatever the hell it was. This is exactly what Thomas Sowell was talking about in his book, Inside American Education. He said, countless individuals who decide to enter the teaching profession back into it for all the wrong reasons. But they also walk into it face first with the least amount of qualifications humanly possible, one of which is literacy. The women who talk this way on this podcast don't read. You can hear it in their voices because no one, as I've said on this podcast on countless occasions, no one writes the way that they speak. No one writes the way that those two women are speaking. Nobody. And I'm only playing a short clip of their podcast because I'm telling you, and I'm dead serious, it's awful. It's one of the worst things you will ever hear. And if you're a parent and you listen to these two women talk, those are the women teaching you potentially. Those are the women that are potentially teaching your children, rather. The hosts of the show, like I said, are, are, are both school teachers. They even go at great lengths right there at the beginning of their podcast by saying everything is super confidential. And then you hear like glasses clinking and whatever. And, and not to mention, it's also kind of funny. If you listen to it often enough, you can hear the, the louder one constantly uh, hiccuping and borderline belching all of the time. So I would go so far as to say that one of them perhaps more so than the others, actually taking the drinking part of the podcast a little too seriously. That's number one. She might have a problem. Number two, uh, the, the entire presence of the podcast and what they say on the podcast is a fireable offense. I don't think the word fireable is a word, but they can be fired for what they're saying. It is, without a doubt, conduct unbecoming of an educator, which is something that can get you fired 
on the spot. You can lose your teacher certification as a result. So the proof is right here. And they don't do a very good job of hiding their identities. At one, at, on more than one occasion, they identify the states in which they teach. So the one, the louder one, teaches, I believe, in Indianapolis, Indiana, somewhere. And then the other one teaches, I believe, in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. I could have that wrong. But the point is, is that they teach in those general states right there. Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, or Indiana. And with just a little homework, somebody could get a hold of their state departments of education, and they could do a full-blown investigation on these women, and they could have their jobs by the end of the day. Now, I'm not advocating for that, and I'm certainly not going to do the homework to figure out who they are to get them fired. The point is, is that these people are school teachers. They're in charge of minors. And they speak like this in their spare time. They also spend a good deal of time on their podcast making fun of students, making fun of parents, uh, making fun of coworkers who don't agree with them. It's remarkably childish. It's, it's, it's very, very detrimental to the entire profession. And they are, they are the worst example of what American education really has to offer. Now, unfortunately, their ideologies and their mentality are starting to dominate the entire business. And they have been for quite some time because one of them says that she was a, she's been te- she taught at one particular school for at least 14 years. So I've got these women somewhere in their 30s or 40s. Uh, same thing with the other one. But I don't know. I just, I just think that it's really, really horrible. I'd love to be a guest on their podcast because I would just slay them with the facts. And they wouldn't know what to do. Um, they really wouldn't know what to do. So I actually thought about doing that just kind of as a side joke, just contacting them and say, hey, I'm an educator and I'm a former educator and I'd love to talk and talk some shop with you and talk the business and whatever, and then just kind of sabotage it on them so that they sort of recognize that I don't agree with anything they say. And of course, they'd never air it because eventually I would just, uh, I would ultimately tell them that they are in fact the problem with American education. But that's it. Uh, and it's, again, <laughs> the title of it is called Teachers Who Drank. So it's very unflattering and just remarkably depressing and unprofessional to say the least. And again, it's like listening to squirrels in the woods chase one another while they play ping pong with the Marxist lingo back and forth as much as they possibly can. They really never talk about, from what I've heard, how to actually be successful. And even if they did, in their own opinions, it's probably not going to be successful at all. So that's Teachers Who Drink. And like I said, if you want to listen to it, look it up. Uh, But I wouldn't waste your time. But it's your call. The second one here, like I said, is called School Psyched. So I'm going to play this clip, and the majority of it, you're going to hear their guest uh, right here at the beginning, Dr. Byron McClure, I believe his name is. Yep. And uh, here we go. Um, at the time of my research, there wasn't a, this anti-racist movement um, is recently emerging. And so at that time, no one was saying anything about being anti-racist or culturally affirming or any of those things. 
But that's what I was looking at. I wanted to dig deep into those curriculums to see if they mentioned themes of self-identity, if they talked about, you know, uh, bringing out the strengths. I wanted to see if there were a representation inside of these curriculums. Um, and those curriculums that I identified, they did a, a decent job of getting at it. Um, and one really important thing that some of those curriculums also tied in a family engagement piece as well. But again, there wasn't that many of those programs, the more research needs to be done. So what does that mean for us now and moving forward? I did my dissertation back 2015, 2016. And so here we are in 2021, and now everyone wants to be an anti-racist, where most people are doing a really poor job of being anti-racist, and we're looking at SEL curriculums. Most people are not doing a solid job of integrating these themes and concepts into their SEL curriculums. Shoot, just aside from SEL curriculums, looking at schools, most schools aren't doing a good job of integrating these things. And so one of the things that I've purposed to do, whether it's through my practice as a school psychologist, whether it's through SEL content that I'm developing, is making sure that at the core of my work lies things of social justice, racial justice, equity, liberation, Right. We talk about uh, uh, Rebecca, um, the thriving school site. Her platform is thriving. Like, y'all, we have to move into this space to where we are moving from this deficit-based mentality into a culture of thriving. Like, that is culturally affirming SEL at its finest. But we are saying, you have strengths. We can celebrate your identity. We can actually call out these systems of oppression and then move that into this space of just liberation, of excitement, of joy, of being in school. And that's what I'm here uh, and I'm trying to, to purpose for us. So I get excited when I talk. So y'all let me know it's eight o'clock at night. I don't know if people sleep, but I, I just get excited. Well, when I, I love it. Uh, and honestly, like this maybe will lead into some of the stuff that I really was kind of fed by your talk last year at NASP. Um, uh, what you sort of called it, um, how to be a disruptor, I think, right. And disrupting systems, but then also designing systems. And so, um, I just was fascinated by the, the information you shared and maybe I, I would just let you tell a little about that. Um, uh, you know, we, we all, the catchphrases, right? Um, we talk about disrupt the prison, school to prison pipeline. Um, you know, we, we use these catchphrases in education, but I'm not sure we practically do it, right? Um, There's almost too much here to mention, but I'm going to give it a try because it's still worth it. First of all, sentence structure. I love the English language and I hate people who butcher it. You don't end a sentence with the word right, question mark. Right, right, right. You don't do that. So if you do it, just catch yourself doing it and then don't do it anymore. And then the next time you do it, you'll say, oh, wait a minute. I did that again. Maybe I shouldn't do that. And then you'll stop yourself and then don't do it anymore. No one writes that way, which means don't speak that way. That's all. I don't claim to be a, uh, a expert on the English language, but I give a damn about it. 
and it drives me nuts when people don't speak it correctly. It just drives me nuts. So again, a little note here, that's the kind of the grammar part, and it's not curriculum, it's curriculum, it's curricula, it's not curriculum. Um, the second thing is just an overarching few comments here on school psychologists. School psychologists have a very bad reputation in many school buildings. Now, I know that somebody would say, well, the exact opposite is true, and that's not true in my school, so shut the hell up. Well, that's fine, except what's happened now is school psychologists seem to think that it's their job to teach all students, and that's not their job, which means now what they're doing is they're playing pretend teacher for the entire population of a school. Again, not their job. Most school psychologists do the following. They will communicate from time to time with counselors about a child who is maybe being abused or suspected of being abused. They will work with students who are truant. They will go to court. They usually have their own little office somewhere kind of away from everybody else where they handle their own business. They're usually not in schools very often because they're either in court or they're working with social workers or they're working with whatever, families who are attached to a student who, again, is either being abused, suspected of being abused, or is truant for one reason or another. That's usually who they deal with. They might also deal with a child who uh, is suspected of using drugs or even hurting themselves or suicidal tendencies, whatever it may be. And again, they file paperwork, and then they push it up the legal ladder so that other groups and other entities like the state end up taking over uh, the so-called security or well-being of that, of that child. Now, those are different conversations for another time, but that's it. That's the job of a school psychologist. It is not the job of a school psychologist to push their own political agendas from some local or national story and then bring it into a school, try to implement it into a Marxist program like social-emotional learning, which is exactly what SEL and social-emotional learning is. It's awful. It's communistic. I've said it a thousand times on this podcast. It is purposely designed to get every student to act exactly the same. At the same day, on, at the same time, in every single class, all of the time. That's called communism. It's not called a well-behaved child. It's not called well-mannered. That's not what it is. So when this Dr. McClure guy decides to criticize people who aren't implementing what he thinks needs to be implemented, like his, uh, whatever it is, anti-racist curriculum inside of social-emotional learning, I hate to break it to you, Doc, but the fact is, is that the reason that anti-racism wasn't being brought up is because it doesn't exist. Racism doesn't exist. I'm just going to whisper that so he can hear me if he's listening, which he's not. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of your imagination. And it only exists in the imagination of the people who peddle it. 
Those people, as I've said in the past, and as Dr. Soul has said and Walter Williams, they are called race hustlers. They have to use this because they have nothing else to offer. And so they start to get out of their lane a little bit. They start to drift over that yellow line, and then before you know it, they're over the white line, and before you know it, they're in the ditch. It's not their job to do this. It's not their job as a school psychologist to find a problem where there isn't one. And it's not their job to teach this kind of garbage, which is exactly what it is, to a school's population. It's just not. Now, as far as, again, his verbiage goes and and the words that were being used, it was just like the first podcast example. Liberation, right? Provoke, disrupt, liberation. What are you what are you saying? What are you what are you doing? You're wasting time. You're not saying anything. This right here again is adding to the divisive nature that they themselves are actually engaging in. They think they are the savior. They think that they are the solution to an alleged problem when in fact they are the problem because they are perpetuating the problem. And when I say they, I mean anybody in a school building that's pushing this propaganda, because that's what it is. It's propaganda. And it's unprofessional. But again, they think that they are the tip of the spear. What they don't know is they're actually the butt end of the stick. And they don't understand that. They just don't get it. They don't know or seem to know that people like me are out here, that we know what you're doing, and what you're doing is failing American students on a day-in and day-out basis with your garbage. The reason that social-emotional learning doesn't work is because students don't care about it. Teachers don't care about it, which means you care about something that isn't real, and you're trying to push it on people who know better. The thing, too, with social-emotional learning, and this is where I'll end this, if you look up any of the videos on YouTube, and I may have said this in the past, but I'll say it again, take a look at the comments section because you'll see one of two things. Either you'll see everybody in the comments section essentially saying, oh, this is fantastic, what a great program, blah, blah, blah. Or the comments section will be turned off. Now, why would that be the case? Why would they turn off the comments section on a program that they think is so stinking successful? Because they know deep down that no one cares about it. Because it's a failure. Social-emotional learning is not new. That approach is not new. It's very old. It dates way back before the 70s. Thank you, 1960s, for social-emotional learning. I appreciate it. Now, take your social-emotional learning and go back to the 1960s because it doesn't work. It's garbage. It just doesn't work. It never has. It never will. It doesn't matter what games, gimmicks, or programs you implement to try to get students to do something. It won't work. In fact, it was brought up in the first podcast on one particular episode of Teachers Who Drink and Why. And they said, you know, because seriously, kids like incentives, you know, like they love incentives. No, they don't. They don't like being bribed because usually the thing you're bribing them with is trash. They want nothing to do with it. 
well, I'll give you extra points, or I'll give you a piece of candy, or I'll give you a fake dollar bill so that you can spend on something, or blah, blah, blah. I'll give you free time. I'll give you this. They don't care. They don't care. The people who know the best in many cases when it comes to these childish behaviors are students themselves. And if you're a teacher and you're engaging in these childish behaviors regardless of the level of your student that you're teaching, they will sniff you out in a heartbeat as being a fraud. The same way that a shark smells blood in the water. And when those students figure that out and you're trying to peddle this garbage on them like all of these people in these podcasts are apparently doing, I'm telling you it's going to be game over for you. So if he's shocked as to why, if Dr. McClure is shocked as to why social-emotional learning doesn't work, that's because his head is in the sand and he's not paying attention to reality. Teach them how to speak the English language fluently and clearly. Teach them how to write the English language fluently and clearly. Teach them how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. That's all you have to do. It's not the job of a school psychologist to try to play political parent with every single student in a school building. Go back to your office, fill out your paperwork, and mind your own business. That's all they have to do. It's really that simple. Because like I said, when they start to get out of their lane, they look like a reckless driver. And that's exactly what the hosts of both of these podcasts are doing. They both look like unprofessional, reckless drivers. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.